0: Good evening. Welcome to episode 14 of the Principal Cast podcast, hosted by myself, Teresa Steiger, Jessica Johnson, and Dr. Spike Cook. Principal Cast is a weekly roundtable discussion about current topics in educational leadership. And for more information, please visit us at www.principalcast.com. We are hoping that you're joining us today uh, via video if you if you are able, and if not uh join us on teachercast.tv. We are here with Mr. Aaron Eric Schenninger, and he is here for uh, his, his, we we just had this conversation. He's here promoting his new book and he's here um, chatting with us tonight and we're so excited. It's Digital Leadership, Changing Paradigms for Changing Times and it comes out on Tuesday. So it's a hot off the press conversation with this principal and educational author. So Spike, why don't you go ahead and, uh, and start us off?
1: Well, thanks so much uh Teresa and once again, thanks Eric for coming out to the show tonight. Uh, we are really excited to have you here. I think the you know the trail that you have blazed in uh, utilizing social media to connect educators has been uh really beneficial. uh Could you tell us a little bit about how you got started and you know just some helpful hints for those of uh, uh those of us out there who are just starting?
2: Well, my uh, reality TV show career was not uh, taking off like I thought. Uh, oh, I've done two reality oh TV shows. God.
3: Question number 10. You know, oh, and,
2: <laughs> uh, it's okay. I won't, I won't elaborate on that too much. But, uh, no, you, like know, you know, you know uh, I dabbled in reality TV uh, to make money for my school. Uh, but uh, it, it wasn't really uh, as uh, exciting as I thought. But, you know, in all seriousness, you know, for me – the world of social media was foreign. It was something I was never going to do. I felt there was no value, no need. And uh, I, I guess, you know, I was like the majority of the leaders uh, that are still in working in schools today is, you know, I felt that it was more of a problem than a, a beneficial component of the school system. So uh, I, you know, my journey was that I, I kind of fell into it by accident. You know, one day I'm just sitting here like I am right now in my house in Staten Island and I was reading the Sunday paper and it was an article about Twitter. And, uh, you know, those people that have heard me speak. I usually open up uh, my keynote saying that, you know, I thought Twitter was the dumbest tool on the planet. And as I kept reading this article, I'm like, dumb, dumb, dumb. I don't have the time for this. This is stupid. But uh, when I got to the end of the article, uh, I discovered that it could be a free way for me to better communicate with my stakeholders. And as an administrator, effective communication, I think, is key to our success. And that's it. I mean, I got on to communicate. uh, And as I was communicating, I began to lurk and learn. This was in uh, late 2009. And when my behavior shifted from communicator to learner, that, that's when everything else everything changed and uh, when we fast forward to where we are now it really was that by chance by chance day that I decided to give Twitter a try and uh, and now i like use every social media tool on the planet my wife makes fun of me my kids make fun of me but uh, you know I, I see the professional value in, in an array of tools now to help us become more effective and efficient in what we do
1: Awesome. I also wanted to uh, introduce our other co host out in Wisconsin, just thawing out from a very long uh, <laughs> polar vortex, Jessica Johnson.
3: Hey, yeah, it's finally warming up. It's like 37 today. I went without a coat on. Um, so Eric, I have a question for you. How did your staff react um, when you first started this Twitter journey? And um, was it difficult to get their buy-in in social media?
2: everyone thought i was crazy i mean everyone not not just my, oh, my 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 wife thought i was crazy my my kids still think i'm crazy but um you know between my staff and my community i mean social media in in 2009 was not really uh being embraced at all so you know i really was the black sheep and when i i still remember the day and i make fun of my vice principal all the time about this you know when i got really excited about it and i started engaging with these amazing educators from all over the world but my mind was spinning in all these different directions and i wanted to implement so many things so the first thing i did was i pulled in my vice principal and athletic director at the time and i'm like hey guys i'm going to give this thing twitter a try let's do it together let's see what happens well, the long and short of it is they didn't stick with it, and uh, now I make fun of them all the time because of, you know, where our school's been and uh, all, all this great stuff that's happening. But, you know, what I did, you know, knowing that it wasn't um, being embraced by any of my staff members, I started off with a core team, and... Shortly after I started drinking the Kool-Aid and then guzzled the Kool-Aid and became drunk on the Kool-Aid, I, uh, <laughs> I brought this group in and I said, listen, here's my vision. It's not just social media, but you know what? Let's really work together. Let's change the teaching and cult- learning culture at Milford High School. Let's really transform um, our professional practice so we can do what we do better. And I took these five teachers and I said, "Listen, I will give you anything you need: hardware, software, time, PD. I'll let you, you know, I'll give you the autonomy, you know. And you know, so we started going off in a whole bunch of different directions. But that, 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 that sort of glue that stuck us together was the fact that we were relying on social media." to sort of funnel this information to us so that we had all these new ideas that weren't really new, but they were new to us because we weren't in the space. And I, I think that as we've evolved, where it was just me and five teachers doing all this, now, you know, when we look at how far we've come at New Milford High School, just in terms of connectivity, I mean, we blocked, I blocked and banned Everything. I helped write the policies to block and ban everything at New Milford High School uh, prior to 2009. And now our students are connecting out of a school of 650 kids. We have over 700 unique connected devices to our Wi-Fi. Almost every social media site is unblocked for our students. We have little to no cyberbullying. Our staff have Twitter accounts. They're using Google to... Um, assess student work in real time. We're using Instagram uh, in class um, aligned to the common core. I mean, we're doing so many different things, but it didn't happen overnight. And where everyone thought I was crazy now, some people still just don't get it. But when we look at our school and what we're doing, we look at social media as just one other tool that Our students and our our staff can use. But you want to know something? I think the biggest takeaway for all this is if we truly are trying to prepare our students for the real world, well you know what? Then we can't shelter them, block them from using real-world tools to do real-world work. And when teachers are using the tools, when administrators using the tools, and they're modeling the effective use for our kids, that's when we set the stage And, you know, where we focus on learning outcomes, where, you know, the tool can be used, it cannot be used. But again, we look at it as, you know, the sort of uh, renaissance that we've had. And, uh, you know, I'm just proud that now the teachers and students are leading the way and I'm doing nothing. I'm just sitting in my office and watching them from afar really be the change that uh, I had hoped for a few years ago.
0: Which is exactly how it should be. Thank you. Yeah, that's exactly how it should work out. Um, Eric, there's a couple questions in the chat room for you. Uh, Melinda Miller is asking: those five teachers that you were talking about earlier,
2: are they still there? They're still there. Love it. The uh, the great thing is uh, when I came to New Milford in 2004, there was a lot of administrative instability, and it used to be a carousel. Nobody, you know, New Milford was a stepping stone. People, you know, would look to get out. Now, the only time people leave is, uh, let's just say, if they retire, or if they're not New Milford Material. No one's leaving on their own, and I think that's a big testament to the collaborative culture that we've all created, where now people are actively looking to come and work at New Milford. But those pioneers, they're still there. Um, they have the support, they have the tools, and they really are still leading the charge uh, in initiating sustainable change.
1: You know, I got an opportunity when I first started out, since we're in South Jersey, I convinced a group of uh, our educators in Millville to take a ride up and and visit Eric's school. And he was very gracious enough to host us. And it was interesting because we got a chance to go around and and visit the different classes and see the things that were going on. And what he says is exactly true. When we went to the cafeteria, I remember uh, distinctly, you know, we were, standing around the outside and my assistant superintendent and I said, well, you know, maybe, you know, just like a regular walkthrough, they put the kids on the outside that that they're going to want us to talk to. So we went deep into the cafeteria and we sat down with a couple girls and we're talking with them and they didn't have their phones out and they were just having a regular conversation. And I remember asking them, like, do you know who your principal is? And they're like, yeah, Mr. Scheninger. And uh, do you know, like, we're here because we wanted to see the cool things that he's doing. And they're like, yeah. Yeah that's pretty cool and we're like why don't you have your phones out you guys have BYOD and all this and it was so funny i remember telling that to eric cuz it just wasn't a big deal to them they had uh, just felt felt as though because the pressure was lifted off and because you guys treat them like the young adults that they they are uh, it wasn't that it wasn't taboo
2: right you know we we really want to uh sort of model that their tools are devices for learning. And, you know, our BYOD is structured that, you know, there's a time and a place and, you know, one of the biggest misconceptions of, you know, when you give students or allow them to use all this technology in school that they're going to be glued to their phones like we see people at airports all the time or when they're walking in New York City and they're just, you know, buried in their phone. and <laughs> But, um, you know, and, and I think that's been one of the, the biggest advantages that we've had is having leaders model the use, having teachers um you make sure that there's a sound pedagogical foundation first before they integrate any of these different tools. But, you know, it's amazing. I can't even keep up now with what all my teachers are doing because, you know, we've removed the fear of failure. We promote calculated risk-taking, the support, the flexibility, all the components are there, the trust, you know, and I think with our kids, you know, we sort of shout out to them without actually saying it, we trust you. We trust you to make the right decisions. And you know what? We all make mistakes. If we make a mistake, we're not going to make the same mistake twice. But you know what? Where we used to, where I used to run around and take devices from kids and make their lives miserable, we are now having much more respectful conversations about – How they can use this tool more effectively, whether it be for conducting better research, for enhancing learning, or their own productivity. But again, it comes back to what is the ultimate goal that we want our schools to function as. We want our schools to ignite a passion for learning amongst our students. We want to prepare them with these essential skill sets. Well, you want to know something? We're not gonna prepare them for a society that's digitally rich, that demands Students to be, you know, critical thinkers, problem solvers, co-constructors of knowledge. If we're still teaching them in an old industrial uh, style, industrialized style of format, so you know, for us, like what you saw, Spike. I mean, it, it's great. You know, now when people visit, even more so than when Spike came, we just say, "Hey, listen, I'm going to go step away for an hour. You go talk to any teacher, any student, anyone you want." And chances are they're going to say the same exact thing as those students said to Spike.
0: That's so great. It's all about the digital citizenship, and I think that that's being lost in some places. Um, we we had a discussion about this a couple weeks ago on Principal Cast as well. But getting back into the chat room, Chris Nassi said he would love to hear how you convinced your superintendent, and especially your tech director, that this was the right thing to do for students in preparing them.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: um... I didn't convince. I just did what I thought was right. Now, I know that's not a very popular response, depending on um, all the layers of bureaucracy and a variety of districts. But as I mentioned before, when when I came to New Milford, there was a great deal of um, administrative instability. And during those uh, early years was when I sort of discovered social media. And I kind of just – did it on my own without even asking for permission. And I know that's really bad, but I took a risk. I took a risk and and it could have backfired in my face. I mean, I had no idea what I was doing. I had no support structure to help guide me through this process. We didn't do this kind of stuff like we are now. There were no real, you know, PLNs or, I mean, there were, but it wasn't like it is today. And, you know, as I started to see the value in it, It was like a drug, and I had to have more. I had to do more. Then I got my uh, superintendent I have now who's ushered in a stable time, and he's been so supportive of me and my staff and basically gives me the autonomy to do what I do. I mean I honestly work, I feel, in the best place in this country because I'm given the autonomy. I'm given the support. And we're we're learning this whole journey as we go along together. Now, the tech director is a different story. Um, It wasn't all uh, peaches and cream like it is now. Right now, I have an amazing tech director. His name is Ron Watson. You can find him on Twitter. I mean, he gets it, he understands the educator perspective. We can have a conversation. And more often than not, we ultimately can sit down at the end of the day and say, you know what? We're making decisions that are the best for kids. It wasn't always that way. Uh, We had a tech director before where we didn't see eye to eye. And uh, as I kept moving forward with my initiatives, let's just say the initiatives and myself put a lot of pressure on that particular person. And he's no longer with us. But that's – you can read between the lines there of what (laughs) happened. And then we got Ron and Ron's been with us for like three years now. And again, I can't, no one can do what we do at New Milford if we didn't have Ron. And I think we have all the pieces in place that really makes New Milford special. And every district can have this. You just got to find those pieces. You got to build your circle of trust, but everyone's got to be on the same page. And I'll tell you right now, it's never going to be easy, but you know, I know there's. A, I talk to people all the time saying, "I'm dealing with this roadblock. I'm dealing with this challenge." But you know what? You got to start small, and you ultimately got to always have in the back of your mind what is best for your kids. And you, if you, you know, if you sort of let uh, the kids guide your leadership, you really ultimately can never do any wrong.
3: Eric, I just have to thank you for all the work that you've done and paving the way. Because I, um, to answer yeah. that question, Mister Nessie – I, I took all of Eric's blog posts and every all of his articles that were published in um, principal magazines, and I've just kept copying them off and emailing them to my <laughs> superintendent, my tech director, and I kept using what Eric was saying to, to get my way.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah it, it's, there's a lot more information out there now. I mean, since we're, I think a huge uh, characteristic of digital leadership is transparency. And, and I think all of us here tonight have benefited from the transparency of others. You know, none of us have worked in isolation, and I think all of us have uh, so many other people to benefit that have actually put us in the positions that we're at. You know, it's not that I I have not done anything. I have not. The only thing that I've done was I use the internet connection to connect myself to the smart people. So I consider myself resourceful, and I think digital leaders are very resourceful. All we use is free social media tools to connect us to the smart people and it's those smart people that willingly want to share, support us, give us that feedback, you know, and if people consider me one of those smart people, well shame on you, I'm not, I just, you know, a lot of other people make me look good. but. You know, none of us are here on our own, and you know I appreciate Jessica you saying that about all those the articles. But you know what? You know I, I gotta go back. I mean, I could sit here and rattle off names all night of so many people that have helped me become a better leader. And when I think back to how I was, even especially during my uh, principal's office days, going back to that uh, horrible reality show that I was on, <laughs> you know, I, I was not educated. I thought I had all the answers, but you know um i guess that comes with you know like a fine wine you get better with age i hope that i've uh, learned from my mistakes and you know we just move forward
1: eric could you talk a little bit about uh you know you, you seem to be very busy you know you're your full-time principal you're an author you're a speaker you're a writer um out of everything that you've come across and that you could answer this maybe in a couple layers like students Teachers and yourself, what was the best tool? Or what is the best tool that uh, helps you stay
2: connected? Um, the best tool Wow,' Because, you know it's it's hard for me to say that because it's I mean all there is is tools I, I, I like to think more of what the tool the end game of the tools and okay. you know and, and i'll go I'll, I'll focus on the tool in a minute, but the 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 best thing that I've gotten all out of all this is, is the people. And, you know, I feel that I now have a human-powered search engine at my fingertips every single day. I went from a very lonely new principal to, you know, being one of the most uh, more more confident, more uh, decisive, more patient, more flexible. And all this is because... I'm getting the opinions, advice from so many people across uh, the, the world. I mean, obviously for me, um, if I had to pick that one tool that I think gives me the most bang for my buck to reach that, those human connections that I find so valuable, obviously I have to say Twitter. Um, it, it's no secret that uh, I am a, a, a Twitter-holic. Twitter freak, my wife and I have had many fights early on in our relationship uh, because of Twitter, and uh, <laughs> probably all of us have had those with our significant others. Yep. But you know, it's but but I look at it this way: if it wasn't for the tool, none of us would be speaking right now, and I can honestly say, if the tool didn't connect me to the people. New Milford wouldn't be what it is today because I would still be living in that box, that sort of silo of information, an isolated island, which is still plaguing so many of our schools because so many leaders don't see the value in social media or they feel that they don't have the time. Now, as you just sort of led into this, Spike, you know, I have a lot on my plate. I don't complain about it. I, I choose that. But as a principal of a 9 through 12 high school, a small school with 650 kids, I have to do – every responsibility is mine. So how am I able to do observations, the budget, um, walkthroughs, uh, attend all these events, meetings, everything, help us transition to Common Core but still be able to do all this other stuff? Because – it's not about taking time away. It's about looking at our responsibilities that we have as effective leaders and how can tools help us become more effective and efficient at what we already do. And that is a huge um, present, uh, a huge component of my book, which is these pillars of digital leadership or pillars of leadership. They're things we should be doing anyway. But when you integrate the tools, quite possibly we can do those things better, and that's communications, public relations, creating a positive brand presence, professional growth, student engagement and learning, re-envisioning learning spaces and environments, and discovering opportunity. That's sort of how I've orchestrated my book based upon things we need to do already, but how the digital aspect can take us to sort of these new places that we never thought were imaginable. At least I never thought they were imaginable. If you would have told me that not only would my students be using their own devices, that they'd be, they'd be running around in school during class time with no supervision, using their phones on Instagram, and now that we have a makerspace where they're connecting fruit to the computer and using it as um, parts of the uh, keyboard functions, I would have said you're all crazy. there's
0: there's a question on twitter for you eric and it is um in a school that's just starting the technology journey what do you think is the first
2: step um the first step is don't make the mistake that i did early on and and try to bite off more than you can chew um figure out what what is what, what what is your goal establish a vision and hammer out a strategic, strategic plan to make that vision a reality. What do you want to change because of uh, integrating or embracing technology? And find one area, and once you um, master that, then move on to something else. You know, for me, it was communications. Others could use tools in um, Or these changes for public relations, you could use it for student learning, but you know what, pick one area, start small, don't overload yourself because the biggest mistake I see with leaders in general is they give uh, social media, for example, a try and they never stick to it because of, you know, they're trying too many tools at once, they don't understand it, they don't have a clear vision for what they want to accomplish. And what will happen is they'll adopt it, but they won't stick with it. And if they don't stick with it, they'll never see the value. And we all know what we don't value, we toss aside. And uh, we'll never see some of the changes that we would hope to see uh, if we don't find value in what we do.
1: That's awesome. So, Eric, um can you tell us briefly about the pillars of digital leadership? You've referred to those a few times, and I'm sure you know, as we go through the book, uh, we'll learn a lot more about them. But
2: just tell us a little bit about those, those pillars of the digital leadership. Yeah, the, the, the pillars of digital leadership, in my mind, present the why and how to become digital leaders. How can we um, improve our professional practice by uh, these sort of characteristics, behaviors, attributes of what makes up effective leadership. And when we seamlessly integrate the uh, digital nature to it, how can we do it? Do this in ways that will better connect with stakeholders, that will um, sort of eradicate perception and create uh, reality for uh, those that want to second guess what we're doing in, in our schools all the time. So what I've done is You know, social media uh, made it uh, very easy for me to reach out because I thought the best way to write a book was get those practitioners ideas that are doing this work all over the country that can showcase, you know, these these pillars or these attributes in action. And, you know, each chapter opens up with a vignette which showcases a uh, practicing leader and how they exemplify the respective pillars. So, you know, for communications, uh, I reached out to Joe Mazza. And Joe Mazza has been a pioneer in that, you know, family engagement piece with technology, with social media. So, you know, I share Joe's story. And, um, and then in the next chapter in public relations, uh, I reached out to my friend John Carver who's a superintendent in Iowa, and, and John Carver is the master at public relations uh, through social media, so you know what we're doing is we're trying again. It's that value piece, and and I hope that you know as we break down each pillar uh, in the book, that administrators are like, you know what, I'm already communicating. Maybe I'm using snail mail, maybe I'm using email, but you know what? Hey. Look at this. We live in a society now where people want their information immediately. We live in a twenty-four-seven society. So why not find ways that are free, that I can learn quickly and easily to better connect with my stakeholders? And that's how everything operates. You know, with the pillars, it, it makes it very the content very digestible, very doable, because you know, for me, it's not like I've done years of research on any of this. This is all experiential, and you know, through my experiences and through those of others. And even, you know, Spike's work is included early in the chapter, when you know, talking about change leading to the pillars. So what I ultimately hope through all this gibberish that I'm just saying here right now is that, you know, I think that the beauty of the book is that you could figure out what do you want to focus on first? You don't have to start with the first pillar. You can go to anyone you want. Let's say you want to focus on creating a culture where students are authentically engaged and you know they're more actively learning and they're doing all this incredible work with f- uh, free tools. You could go right to that chapter. Or maybe you want to start your own personal learning network so you can go to the chapter on professional growth and you start off by hearing Lynn Hilt's story, another incredible administrator. Or let's say you want to re envision learning spaces. You can go to that chapter and hear about how Dwight Carter created and worked with administrators in his district in Ohio and created Clark Hall, which is an amazing space where students can sit on rocking chairs. It's called co- different colored furniture. I mean, it's so many exciting stories, but they're real world stories. and. I think the the most satisfying part of the pillars for me is that it's working for so many different digital leaders that have embraced a a better approach that resonates more clearly and loudly with their number one stakeholder, and that's their students. And you know, all this was built all of these pillars were built on our collective work. It's not my work. It's all of our work because we're sharing, we're collaborating. Oh, I almost filled my, my seltzer. Um, and uh, <laughs> we're, we're doing this all out in the in the open. And, uh, you know, I, I just hope that that's how people see the book because, you know, I didn't want a book that just ran from, you know, start to finish. I really want anyone to get to pick up wherever they feel that they want to approve or where they want to begin. and. It's all about baby steps. So there's stuff in there for the the beginning administrator, the intermediate, and, and I guess the advanced. But who who really, who really is an advanced digital leader? Because we don't really have a, a firm definition of what this is. And we try to I, I try to flesh that out in the book. But you know, I, I don't know. I could just go on and on. <laughs> <laughs> That's great.
0: So you know, Eric, as we go through the 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 shows every week there's i know we we had mentioned this before the the podcast started but there's this running dialogue happening in the chat room and there, some of it. These questions are amazing, and some of the comments are just hysterical. Simon <laughs> Miller says he's ready to run through a brick wall for you. And uh, Chris <laughs> Nasty says he looks for openings every year in your school. So I mean, there are there are some amazing. So if we're laughing, that's why because we're reading that's through okay. them. Just, just there were it's hysterical. Um, but there are a couple of really good questions, and I think we had a, a good dock of questions going. But the questions that are happening in here. Um Fire away. are are pretty awesome. Brian Alabek is asking if you require new hires to have social media skills, and if so, how do you verify them during the hiring process?
2: I Google them. So
0: do you? Or is I, that a is that a like a hidden prerequisite?
2: Well, I mean, no, it's it's very transparent out in the open. I mean, okay. I have I have my students Google themselves as we work to create their positive digital footprints, okay. and we do it with every single kid. In uh, I do it with every single student in my building. But you know, one of the questions I have, I mean, listen, it's th- no secret. This this is one of my passions, and you have to be able to fit in this. Fast-paced, innovative, risk-taking culture where you know people are failing every day, but we're actually cheering failure because we're learning of how to do things differently. And you know, it's interesting. We just did a STEM symposium this weekend at, at my school, and one of the professors said, "You know, I don't fail. I, I just, I just learned what didn't work." And I loved that saying is, you know, it's not failure. We're, we're learning what doesn't work in our quest to find out what does work. Now, what works at New Milford is, you know, we want the full package. You know, we want all that traditional stuff. But you want to know something? We want someone that – has a digital footprint. We want someone that's not going to be afraid to, when it's appropriate, allow students to uh, use their phones in class, um, to use Instagram, to take videos, to to do whatever. So I I do have a question, it's like number four or five um, in my standard interview questions, and I I say, tell me what you know about Web 2.0, and explain to me on how you would effectively integrate technology um, to you know unleash creativity and, and foster uh, uh, you know more effective and efficient learning for our, our students and you I guess uh, I guess I shouldn't be surprised but many people can't even answer that question and uh, then I use the end uh, well then I'll skip my other questions and be like well why should we hire you that's sort of like my end question I just gave that away but um, you know we, we do look for that because again, It's taken us five years to get where we're at, and and we feel together that we all have a very special place uh, at New Milford High School because we all sort of serve our uh, own specific roles, and we want people that are going to fit that mold. Now, I'll give you an example, and you could by all means look him up. You know, uh, we just hired a brand new history teacher, and his name is Hershey Groff. He is an amazing teacher, and if you see him on Twitter, every time I do walkthroughs in his classroom, he's blowing me away. He's using uh, Socrative. He's got Twitter back channels going. Um, he's doing all this great work. I mean, he was able to answer all those questions, and when you look at that, that's, that's the type of teacher that is now actively seeking out. Um, opportunities at New Milford High School. Same thing with my media specialist. If anyone's been following the work uh, at New Milford High School lately, you know, my media specialist, Laura Fleming, I mean, she she is a rock star. In her short time where, you know, we sort of got her to come here, I sort of convinced her to, you know, leave her other school and come to New Milford and I sort of promised her that, you know, what New Milford has to offer. And in her short time since September, she's created a digital badge platform where she's awarding teachers digital badges, in uh, acknowledgement of informal learning, all aligned to the Common Core, ISTE-NET's Partnership for 21st Century Skill Framework. She's created a makerspace. Just in September, she's created a fully functioning makerspace, which will be highlighted in Scholastic Administrator, by the way, uh, uh, in the next edition coming up. I mean, I can't – now she's uh, – She's um, piloting a, a virtual learning atmosphere, 3D virtual learning atmosphere, that really is going to give us a huge opportunity to do blended learning with our kids. And the program, I can't even really talk about it because it's not even an education program. We're the first school to actually pilot it. So yes, th- this is what we're looking for now. This is the expectation. This is the standard. Eric,
1: um, when I was looking in the in this this really kind of goes along with that. I was looking in the chat room as well, and uh, Bill Sterrett, who you know was a principal, is now a uh, in higher ed as a, as a professor, and, and a few folks in there are talking about, so how do you feel like this uh, could start impacting higher education? Because, you know, are, are graduates from teacher ed programs coming out prepared? Are the uh, prospective administrators being trained in the right way? And, you know, in all honesty, how do you think your book could also help in that Discussion. No, that's
2: kind of a loaded question because now I have to—I uh, uh, don't want to come off arrogant and cocky, but I—I I, I think most of us would agree that there are issues with teacher and administrator preparation programs. And you know, I can even say that in my program, I never learned any of this. Most of the candidates that uh, I do get from new teachers for new teaching positions. They've they've been Im- immersed in this just a little bit. It, it's like, oh, let's take one technology course and say we did it. And I get so many, well, I did this in my, my ed tech exploration seminar and all this. Well, whatever. It's not just about that. It's about, you know, I want to see you create authentic tasks that may or may not integrate technology. Uh, I want to see you you know, uh, get into a classroom and rearrange the space when you have desks and rows and make it a more collaborative uh, environment. I, I want to see all this, these great things that, you know, I might not necessarily have gotten. But, you know, when we look at it, you know, when I decided on a title for the book, I, I took a look at higher education. And I to my knowledge, there wasn't really a resource out there um, that really covered digital leadership. And, and I think now when, you know, we look at where our schools are in 2014, you know, leaders, I think today are, will be a, a severe disadvantage if they don't know of how to better connect with stakeholders, how they can grow professionally. I mean, listen, I'll say right now, I've learned and grown more from the people that I've connected with online than any conference, any workshop, anything that I've ever gone to, because you know I'm connected with like-minded people that are passionate about helping kids, unleashing that passion, focusing on essential skill sets, all that great stuff. But but I think that the world of higher ed can take some cues from you know, and it's great having people like Bill Sterrett that is in this space. He sees it. He He breathes it. He eats it just like us. But we need more people like him that are going to be catalysts for change that are really going to ruffle some feathers and take a traditional construct and turn it upside down. That's what's needed in teacher education programs and principal education, leader education programs, because the majority uh, still does not see – the work that we're talking about now as, excuse me, has having any value. And, and it pains me, it pains all of us that, you know, we see all these benefits. And you want to know what? I remember, I remember when I won the, digi- the Digital Principal Award, um, I should say received the Digital Principal Award a few years ago. And the principal of the year at that time goes, introduces himself, he goes, oh, you're one of those techie principals. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was offended. You know, I am a principal just like you. I use technology to be more effective and efficient, to do what I do better. And We're no, I mean, don't, I, when people stereotype us, and, and again, that's, I think the world of those of us that are immersed in social spaces, all of us, regardless of our position, you know, we're stereotyped as, you know, as geeks, as nerds, you know, um, that, you know, all we do is sit here in our technology and, and tweet away and dabble here and that we can't have face to face conversations because we're glued to our screens and our devices and all this stuff. And, um, you know, so I just think that, you know, the, the next big shift is needed in higher education uh, if we really truly want to see the type of reforms that are needed in, in our schools, because I think we need new thinkers, new doers, sort of like a, a makerspace movement in higher ed, where, you know, there's more tinkering, creating, um, inventing as we, you know, forge a new pathway to uh, take over our education system because if we don't do something soon, if we don't change things you know in that area and some other ones, um, I'm just uh, afraid of where we're going to be in a few years. Eric, just
3: to to piggyback on that, to give a a real good example of how sad the status is, I put in a proposal to teach a course at a university that I sometimes teach classes for, and it was for um, social media for teachers and principals, and I listed, you know, all of the Web 2.0 tools, and they denied it because I didn't have certification in those. Uh, What certification is there in Twitter and Google Plus and Digo and delicious and it, I was just dumbfounded like they had they had no clue what they were talking about when they said that.
2: Yeah, um, there is really <laughs> no certification. Um, to me, it, it screams out, I'm a learner. I want to get better and it's not the tool. It's how you use the tool to uh, move your professional practice forward. And, and I mean, listen, no one taught me how to use Twitter, how to use Google+, how to do any of this stuff. No one taught, and, and many of us, we just do it, and we learn by doing. So, you know, I think that this goes into um, the uh, hot topic of you know, certifications and credentials and, and, and awards and all this stuff. I, I wish I had my buddy uh, Chris Weeger here right now because we get a lot of great conversations about this. But what is a what, what, what would a social media certificate really say? You know, so if someone gives me a gold star, I can go that says I'm a social <laughs> media guru that or a badge that I can go and, and teach all this stuff. You know, I, I, I look at it this way. I guess I could say the same thing about writing a book. What business do I have writing a book? Um, none, actually. I'm still surprised that I've, I've written a, a few books. But, you know, <laughs> I, it's it's all about the work that we do. And, and I think when it comes to social media that, you know, if we're asking, uh, you know, we're looking for the wrong things and asking the wrong questions if it all revolves around a certificate. And I think that just shows how naive uh, people still are. In terms of you know what social media is, what it can do, how it can be harnessed, and you know the end results, and and I guess you know that's pretty insulting uh, as far as I say you know because you know I'll let you teach a social media course any day at uh, at my school, Jessica, or any university out here. <laughs> okay. but, but, but but again, but but you want to know something? I mean, I guess I take great satisfaction knowing that they're they're higher ed is starting to take notice. The STEM symposium that I mentioned that we had at New Milford on Friday, that started off because a professor in um, engineering at Rutgers read my tweet.
0: Wow! And
2: it's because of that tweet that Dr. Waheed Bajwa from Rutgers University and I forged this partnership. And we had like four different high schools, hundreds of kids, Six graduate professors from Rutgers University at New Milford, and wow. I told every single kid there it started with a tweet. Now, if I wasn't in the space, did I need a gold star in social networking or a certificate to forge that partnership? Nope. All I had to do was have an open mind and be willing to make the time to learn and get better transparently. And that's one example. And in one of the pillars of my book is opportunity. That is an example of an opportunity that I would never have had. That Now, not that I would never have, that my students would never have had if it wasn't for a stupid 140-character <laughs> tweet. That just shows you how powerful this um, sort of, phenomenon is where we can connect ubiquitously. We can have conversations. We can co-construct knowledge together. But, you know, when I look at partnerships now, you know, because of that one tweet, all these professors at New Milford, we now are talking about so many other things to broaden the horizons of our students. And that's what it ultimately comes down to is why do we do what we do in social spaces, because we want to be the best leaders we can for our kids. You know, people can say what they want to say about me. Ultimately, as you can see, I bleed green, white, and black. And I'm just trying to be a better principal. You know, I didn't ask for, you you know, where people see me as an expert in social media or this digital leader or anything like this. All of this is all because... You know, that innate, um, you know, innate push to be a, a better principle. And using social media is just one of those ways that I think it's made, I think we would all agree it's made us all better and it's made the world such a smaller place. Um, That's true. But Absolutely. Uh, there's probably other questions, so That's, I'll stop there.
0: I can just say amen. Yeah, <laughs> so true. <laughs> So true. Let me look in the chat room and see who's going Well,
3: on. one other one oh, other question in the chat that actually piggybacks on, um, you know, talking about certification. Eric, what are your thoughts on um, or any practices that you have in your building on providing teachers with either PD credit or some sort of credit that helps them towards renew their license renewal um, in terms of learning on Twitter?
2: Well, again, nothing. We're trying to promote that intrinsic motivation that, we want them to learn because they want to learn. They want to get better. And that there's not a reward. Did you hear that, Chris Weger? I wish he was listening to this that right now. There's not a a reward attached to it you know so what we try to do is really acknowledge the informal learning so Laura Fleming has done a great job with that with the digital badges but what we've also done is sort of piggybacked off other ideas that we've that I've learned from social media and after learning about the uh, Google 8020 model we created our own uh, form of that and that's what's great about social media is that people willingly throw their ideas out there we don't have to reinvent the wheel and you want to know something, as leaders, we don't want to make our jobs any tougher than it is. Let's take those ideas that are tried and true, let's tweak them, and let's make them work for our students, our community, knowing we, can have diff- we all have different populations, socioeconomic pressures, all that. So we created the PGP, which is the professional growth period. And what uh, I did was, much to the chagrin of my vice principal, I cut all non-instructional duties in half, hall duty, cafeteria duty, in-school suspension, so that now every single teacher in New Milford has two to three periods off, two to three 48-minute periods off per week to follow their learning passions and learn about whatever they want. And this has been probably one of the biggest catalysts for change and innovation is, you know, when you empower teachers and you give them the autonomy they know they can learn. There's no mandates, no directives. There's no resentment because we're, we're forcing them to do this and do that. That's how I reward my teachers. I give them the time. And who doesn't want the time where we're not telling them, you must go learn about Common Core. You must go learn about McCrell? because we all sound like robots now because you know we're told we gotta, we're directed. And how does that make us feel? How do we all feel, you know, when I think it's in, in Wisconsin, aren't you guys mandated to use uh, uh teach scape? All of you?
3: No, not all of us. That's one option. Uh, my district chose a different option.
2: Oh, okay. That's good. Yeah.
3: It's similar, but yeah.
2: so, you know, I mean, we're just mandated, but you know, I, I give my teachers the time. Uh, I take away all the challenges, all the excuses and, what we're seeing is, you know, they're creating learning portfolios now as part of their end of the year evaluation. Most of them choose to find ways to integrate technology. That's their choice. There's no forcing, no mandating. I mean, my teachers don't have to use technology in New Milford. I know it's a shock to so many people,
1: <laughs>
2: but they don't because I know if I force them to do it, right? If I impart you know my my you know my wishes on them it's going to build resentment and the water cooler is going to become the most popular place they're going to be talking <laughs> about me and, and I'd like to think that you know we're creating an environment where the reward is this is a place that they want to be they enjoy coming to work and we're trying to do the same thing for the kids you know we want them to be excited to come to school what better way than to treat them like young adults that they are, and not say, uh, 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 let's say, all right, show me what you've learned through this. How can this help you become a better learner, a better communicator, a better creator, a better problem solver, all that stuff. And, um, you know, we've had kids come back and tell us that they're better prepared for college because we're creating an environment where, you know, we're not, we're we're sort of, trusting them to be responsible adults, but we're respecting their voice, and the student voice movement has been alive and well in New Milford even before it became popular um, on Twitter, and there's nothing better that, you know, when the teachers and the kids are forming the initiatives and and the new directives, and they're being put into place, and they're helping making our community even better than it already is.
1: Eric, could you talk a little bit about uh, one of the things that you do, I think it's, and you do it really well, is the the whole pay it forward. So, you you know, each year you have the Edscape conference, and how do you feel like that impacts, you know, not only New Milford, but the surrounding towns and and also your teachers and students, because you get everybody involved?
2: Well, this might not be a popular uh, comment, but, you know, I put on New Milford really for my teachers and my community but my community now extends well beyond new milford and that's why we open up to everyone but you know what we saw a a gaping hole when we were learning about you know early on about web 2.0 and, and all these different ways in which we could better integrate technology there was there was no really real uh, bona fide uh, professional development structure in the Northeast. There was nothing. I'm still dismayed at, at the lack of attention to, you know, working with teachers on effective integration of technology that's aligned with learning outcomes. And, you know, so Edscape was our solution to that problem, you know, and again, Coming back to the whole opportunity piece is, um, you know, the whole Edscape conference evolved through social media. Uh, I formed a partnership with companies, and now my main company, uh, my main main sponsor, Tech, and we now put together this event that really the sole purpose is to provide my staff with those practical ideas and strategies that they can take the very next day and begin to integrate into their classrooms, and you know, both Spike and Jeff have seen what Edscape's all about. It now attracts people, and that was not my goal. I didn't. My goal was not to attract people from you know twelve different states and two different countries to come to New Milford. My goal was to put on a world-class um, professional learning event for the teachers in New Milford, but. You know, who am I to just like just keep it to us? You know, I really I want to share. And, you know, I also now love opening up my school so that everyone can see, you know, because I think that, you know, with social media, many people can think that it's all smoke and mirrors, that all we do is talk and we don't actually do. That's another reason why I do Edscape is because I want people to come in, talk to my kids, see our infrastructure, see how old our building is, and see how we're really doing this. So, you know, going back to your, your question, Spike, you know, things like Edscape, it's, there's so many opportunities out there. And, and that's what's great about uh, going back to the pillars of digital leadership. All the pillars are interconnected. When you communicate with social media – You start to promote all the great things you're doing, that's public relations. When you communicate and do PR, it builds a brand presence. What do you communicate and do PR about? Student learning, professional growth. All that then connects into opportunity. I mean, it's they're all interconnected, which is why I get so passionate about it because I we see the changes that have taken place. I see the changes that have occurred for me as a principal. We've all seen how we've changed. Think about where we all were five years ago. I know where I was. You know, I I was that idiot principal on the principal's office (laughs) that was running around on national TV doing all the things that um, I now don't do. Um, And I was wrong. I was an idiot. Um, I could say that, you know, but now I'm educated. So, you know, I, I think now I, I feel part of it is, you know, I got to pay it forward because my job is first and foremost to create a world-class learning institution at New Milford High School that are preparing my kids for success, even in the face of mandates and directives that I don't agree with. Secondly, to also do my best knowing that I did not get here and I'm, n- n- I'm never going to, you know, um, even move forward without the help of other people. So as m- the more people that I can help, you know, the best comment, and most flattering, flattering comment I could get is when, like Jessica said, well I share your articles and, and stuff like that. I don't write to share, I mean to get shares, I don't. I, I just write because I'm gonna put it out there. If someone finds value in it, great. But I'm not there, you know, hoping that, well, I hope all these people – well, I'm not going to lie. I hope people buy my book. But um, <laughs> but but I, I truly think that it, it will be a resource for people because it was – it evolved from the blood, sweat, and tears mostly of me. Um, but also so many other people that have gone through these trials and tribulations and have faced so much adversity. To change their professional practice and and become you know better leaders. And when I and when I look at the leaders that you know I admire the most, and they they're the ones that you know I've been following from the get go. And you know I tried to strategically pick those leaders that have had the most profound impact on me to highlight in my book. You know I already mentioned John Carver. You have Pam Moran and and. David Britton, superintendents. You have George Kuros, Patrick Larkin, uh, Bob Dylan. I mean there's so many people that I've – I I tried to – there's so many more other people that I wanted to feature in my book. The the worst part about writing a book is that when you're done, you start hearing all these other stories and all these other people doing amazing work and you want to include them. And and your editor says, sorry, you can't put this (laughs) stuff in now. But there's so many people out there. That are my heroes, my inspiration. I just mentioned a few, and um, you know, I think we always have to remember that digital leaders, being a digital leader, is not about us. It's about the people we follow and the people we learn from that make us who we are, and that's the biggest takeaway. Because you know, the more knowledgeable people we surround ourselves you know, with I really think the stronger, more confident, the better we become because, you know, again, even though the buck stops with us in our respective schools, we always know that we can turn to those people that are in the digital spaces that are always there for us. Maybe not just in New Jersey, but in the <laughs> United States and different countries. How could that not get you pumped up about being in education and being a leader today? Even when things really stink in Many, many senses.
0: <laughs> You know, Eric, we were, uh, when you were talking about the five, five years ago, um, in the chat room about 10 minutes ago, Jeff Bradbury said, could you imagine 10 years ago that people from across the country would be coming together at 1030 Eastern to discuss student learning and professional development? This is awesome. And then Brad Gustafson said, Jeff, here's what I imagine, oh, no, it moves every time I try to talk. He said, here's what I imagine, 10 years ago, I would have been up late on a Sunday night designing a new worksheet for kids to fill in blanks on the next day. <laughs> now we're talking about authentic learning and amplifying the student voice with educators across the globe.
2: Love it. That's a nice way to say it. I mean, I'll be honest, 10 years ago, I still would have been where I would have been tonight in bed. <laughs> <laughs> well, and we Eric, do appreciate we had,
0: you being here. Yeah,
2: exactly. I know we've
1: gone a little bit longer, but okay. Look, I want to try something new. Okay. So we're going to play word association. Oh, we're each for
0: Eric. So yeah, Eric, it's just right? for Eric, Eric.
1: Okay. All right, all right. So each of us are going to pick something, and you're just going to say a word that comes to mind, okay? Oh, I don't like this game.
0: I'm not good at these.
1: Mm. Are right, you ready? Yeah, I guess. I- I'm throwing this right one at you. <laughs> Common core.
2: <laughs> Go ahead, Jessica. Well, you, know, you know, I shouldn't say that. You know, uh, it's not it's – not, uh, <laughs> uh, again, it's, it's one of those things. That I, shouldn't, I shouldn't say that as a leader, you know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jeff, we'll edit that okay. out. Yeah. You to
3: won't that. edit it. That's a lie. That's a lie.
2: All
1: right, up next. Uh,
3: All
1: right we'll, we'll go to the next one. Go ahead, Jessica.
3: Mandated teacher evaluation system.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm using sounds other than words. Because my, my words, Jeff would have to edit. So. Non-linguistic,
1: non-linguistic representations. Go ahead, Teresa. Let's see if we can make it three for three.
0: I'm asking the uh, I'm asking the chat room to give us a word because I oh,
1: think okay. I oh. think
0: they need a say in this one. So somebody in the chat room, throw out a word for Eric, real quick.
3: I think there's like a six second delay.
0: There probably is. I I have a word for Eric. Do it, Jeff. New
2: York Giants.
0: Oh, I was gonna say. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> Speechless.
3: You're, you're, you're asking, you're
2: asking a, a die-hard Cowboys fan, and I'm, I'm trying to think of a nice <laughs> oh, word. Oh, you just the Amber
3: team and smile. Oh, the the
0: Blues. <laughs> the Blues. All right. How
2: about, a, how about?
0: this? Oh, you got. We one? have a word from the. Uh, we have two actually. The first one is professional development. Learning. And what about teacher lounge?
2: Mm. Oh boy, <laughs> that's uh. <laughs> Teacher's Lounge. Hmm. Mistake. <laughs> next
0: <laughs> next Frontier. Awesome. And I think the last one in the chat room is Personalization.
2: Intriguing.
0: Awesome. Oh, and Jeff Bradbury says the Computer Lab.
2: Ooh, good one. Oh, that's... Um... <laughs> Um, necessary sometimes. <laughs> depends on it. Depends on your resources, you know. I mean, listen. I'll, again, I'm. I don't. I don't hide behind our. I have four computer labs right now, but you know, it is what it is.
1: All right. I have one more because it, it's a very. I think it's a very famous one. I think a lot of people want to know more about it. BlackBerry.
2: Hmm, dead.
1: Oh,
2: you held on for so long. <laughs> yeah well uh we just got upgraded <laughs> to uh uh Motorola or droids, so oh. the blackberry is kaput it's it's officially put the rest
0: oh that was oh.
2: your that
0: was your mind chris Nassi asked oh, <laughs> chris Nassi's asking, what is your prediction, Eric, for the next year of ed tech
2: um well I, I think it's gonna continue to overwhelm some um I think we're going to see a lot more on the lines of blended and virtualized learning um, I think that really is the future you know it was interesting watching so many people tweet about snow and how school should still be going on when it snows and I think virtualization and blended learning will be able to provide that opportunity I know that's where we're looking at right now at, at New Milford so as we keep, you know, as we see more and more Chromebook models come out, more tablets, more upgraded phones, it, it, it's really what can we do in this space that can um, continue learning um, when kids are not in our school, where, you know, we're providing more seamless uh, instruction to our students uh, when they can't get to school, you know, things like that. So I, I really think it's virtualization and blended learning is what we're going to really see an uptick in the next year.
3: All right. Well, I think awesome. it's way past your bedtime, Eric, and I <laughs> want to thank you again for staying up this late with us, Party Animals. Um, it was great to have you on here. Um, if you want to follow Eric Scheninger, Scheninger, if you're not already, I don't know who isn't, but he's NMHS underscore principal on Twitter. Um, I also have to make sure that you all know to follow Teachercast on Twitter or um, follow teachercast.net for blogs and resources teachercast.tv for the podcast and you can always find us principal cast on twitter or principalcast.com and eric, I
1: think- eric can you just tell everybody where they can get the book and mm-hmm. uh, once again you know uh you know there's there's a couple different opportunities i'm sure that are out there
2: so just tell us how we can get your book yeah um, well Again, I'm so excited about this book. I mean, um, you know, not only did I mention, I hope I mentioned all the fantastic practitioners that are featured in the book, but, you know, the foreword was written by Young Zhao, which he's just amazing, Um, endorsed by Michael Fullan, Dan Pink, um, Edutopia, NASSP, Learning Forward, our, our main man, Todd Whitaker who, again, if it wasn't for social media, I couldn't call my main man. Um, (laughs) So many amazing people and, you know, um, reviewed by, again, awesome practitioners like Jessica uh, to my left. I mean, it it was, again, it's such a a labor of love. But, I mean, you can get it through uh, my publisher, Corwin Press. It's, uh, It's still discounted until Tuesday when it officially comes out. Um, after that, it'll be available on uh, Corwin's website, but also on Amazon. And there will be a Kindle version Great. shortly after publication. So I believe it'll be available later this week. Um, and that's uh, where you can get the book. Awesome. Thank you so much.
3: All right. Should we end with my principal cast out? i think it's time
0: i I didn't drop it all tonight (laughs) thank you everyone so much for being with us have a good
3: night everybody